Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. We do have the danger of being complacent within our lives. When you're complacent, the gift can settle. And you know what that's like. You need to shake it up so you get the full effect of the thing. It's like working out. If you got muscles, God's giving you muscles, but if there's no working out or exercising of the things, they will, they'll just kind of go away. Not totally, they're still there because you're able to move around, you gotta have them. But imagine what it'd be like if you worked it out. There's a fundamental difference between being content and being complacent. When you're complacent, you somehow adopt a good enough or that'll do mentality. Contentment is healthy, but complacency, well, that's dangerous. And you're warned of this throughout the Bible. Today, Pastor James will continue reading through the book of 2 Timothy, where you'll see Paul warn Timothy of the dangers of becoming complacent with the gifts and responsibilities that God has given him within the church. Now, here's Pastor James in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. And Paul, at the end of his life, is saying, listen, I serve God with a pure conscience, a clean conscience. Well, how can he say that? Because he's got a renewed mind, transformed heart. He's a different guy. He's a different man. Was he perfect? Not at all. Not at all. But that's not even what this is talking about. He's not talking about, like, I can serve the Lord knowing that I did it perfectly. That's not what he says. I have a clear conscience. He also is, is indicating, too, that he's kind of picked up the torch, so to speak, from his forefathers as well. Somebody had laid the groundwork for him, so to speak. And he would say later on, when the time was right, that's when Jesus showed up on that road to Damascus, and I got saved and devoted my life to him. So Paul's been through it all. He's seen it all. He's experienced it all. And at the end of his life, in this dark, damp, dungeon and what he's it's literally a hole in the ground you can go to rome today and you can see this this jail cell that he lived in it's not nice he didn't have like a you know a bed and a toilet in the room kind of a deal it's like no you live down there now until you die it's a hole in the ground and there he is in the hole in the grounds full of joy you can feel the joy just spilling off the pages of this letter he's like yeah you know circumstances aren't great but it's cool. Why? Well, because my conscience is clear, man. I did what God has called me to do. I have done what God has called me to do. And he would say in a, in a different way, I've ran my race. I have ran my race. I am finishing well. I'm finishing well. Conscience is clear. He goes on to, to elaborate to Timothy. He's expressing to him like, listen, man, I am praying for you constantly. That is a key element within the mentor, mentor e relationship, right? If you're investing in the lives of somebody else, you have to be praying for that person night and day. Why? Because they need it and you need it. Well, nobody's doing that for me. Well, 
Start it for somebody else. I don't know. Like, I hope somebody is praying for you night and day. I hope that you have somebody like a Paul who is thinking about you continually and praying for you, maybe that you're not even aware of. I do know there is one guy who does this nonstop, and his name is Jesus. He intercedes on behalf of you all the time. Okay, so you do have someone, and he's the best someone ever, right? So now physically here on this planet, you know, as far as like tangible, that I hope that you have somebody that fits this role within your life. But if you don't, that doesn't excuse you from doing this for somebody else. Find your one, pray for them often. You need to write their name. I must, I'm hoping and I'm assuming that, you know, we are opening up this word. I would hope for our own benefits daily, daily. Now I know that's a challenge. I get it because there's some days where I'm like, and not that I don't want to, it's just that life, right? Life like slaps you right in the face as soon as you get out of bed and you're like, I have so much stuff to do today. And you just get busy, busy and all that good stuff. It should be, as John Piper would say, it's not duty, but it's delight, right? So you want to get into this word, but so that, that also creates a good opportunity for you to write people's names down within your Bible. And those are the ones as you open it up that maybe on an index card or something that you tuck away, use that as your bookmark. I'm praying for these people continually. That's what Paul is doing for Timothy. Uh, he's praying for him night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears. And, and there was a this uh, bitter kind of separation, not in relationship-wise, but as far as like this agony of being separated between Timothy and Paul. And, and Timothy loved Paul, and Paul loved Timothy. You know, this isn't the first time Paul's been arrested, all right? This is like the second time that for sure that we know of, and a separation that had taken place, and Timothy was brought to tears, and he was heartbroken over it. And Paul remembers that, and he's like, listen, man, I, I remember, I remember the tears that you cried, uh, and I, I greatly desire to see you again. For what? So that I may be filled with joy when I call into remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. And Paul is, is highlighting the fact that, yeah, Timothy, um, the faith that you have is real, it's genuine, and Timothy is a blessing or a joy to the Apostle Paul. That should also be another indicator or mark of just somebody that you are investing in. And when they show up and when they're around you, it should be a joy. You should be encouraged by them, right? That's, if you're not, then that might not be a healthy relationship, okay? And for Paul, it's sitting in this dungeon. He's like, man, Timothy, I just, man, I'd love to see you again. I would love to see you again. So he's building up Timothy. Timothy needs all this encouragement. He's been dealing with a lot, but he, he's just laying this groundwork, building him up, not puffing him up, but, but building him up, edifying him. Goes on to say, you know, this genuine faith that's in you, which first of all, with your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. So he had a believer. Uh, his grandmother was a believer. His mom was a believer. His dad probably was not a believer. All right. That's why he's not mentioned here. His dad was also not Jewish. Okay. So you have Timothy, whose grandmother is Jewish, his mom is Jewish, but they are, they are believers in Jesus. And his dad wasn't. And that Timothy was able to be brought up within this household, as, as we would understand that. I mean, especially back in this time period, dad ruled the house. Dad ruled the house. I mean, whatever dad said, that's how it went. And for, for Timothy's dad, who uh, more likely was a Roman, 
for him to even to allow his son to be kind of brought up with some of these teachings and everything is pretty remarkable. But all we know in this account, as Paul's just reminding Timothy, is like, listen, that faith that's in you, um, well, you can thank your mom for that, but you can also thank your grandmother for that because they passed it down. They passed it down. Some of you are here today with a relationship with Jesus because of family members that passed it down to you. Not that you, you're not like born into Christianity. You can't be born into this thing. I hope we understand that. Like nobody gets to go to heaven because their family were, were Christians. That's not how it works. It's a very individual, personal thing between you and Jesus. However, it does make a world of a difference when you have a mom or a grandparents or, or a dad or a grandfather who have a relationship with Jesus and they're just trying to pass that on down to their kids. It makes the world of a difference, the impression that's there. And I know sometimes, hey, listen, I did youth ministry for 15 years, and I got to hear the frustration from some parents that their kids are like, they're just not getting it. The only thing I could say is, just keep doing what you know you're supposed to do. You keep following Jesus. You keep following Jesus. You keep your eyes on Jesus. You train them up just like we learned in, you know, Proverbs talks about that. Train up your child in the way that they should go. And when they get older, they'll, you know, they will not depart or they'll, re- you know, return back to that or whatever that's going to look like for them. But you keep your eyes on Jesus. You keep following Jesus. Because what you may not realize is, I don't care how old your kid is, they're always still going to be looking at you as an example. That just never goes away. It doesn't go away. So they're always watching. So you keep focusing on Jesus. You keep following Jesus. Who knows, you might end up producing a Timothy within your life. He was a major leader within the church. The church of Ephesus was a big deal. So I don't know if his grandmother and his mom were were still around at this point in time when this letter was going to be read to a congregation. Um, How funny would that have been to be at the church, the church of Ephesus, as Timothy's up there, and he's like, listen, I got to read this letter. Um, Paul wrote it to me, um, but really this is for me, but it's for all of you. And how cool would that be if his mom and his grandmother were present within the congregation to hear that, like, yeah, see? See, what you did matters. Paul is persuaded this same genuine faith is in Timothy. Verse 6, therefore, since that or because of that, this genuine faith that you have in you, Timothy, you are saved You're saved. There's no doubt about it. You're a saved man. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, now Paul's really going to get personal with Timothy because Timothy was a timid individual. He wasn't as bold as Paul was. He wasn't as brash as Paul was. He wasn't that guy. Timothy is not your type A personality leader. He's just not. But that doesn't disqualify him from leadership. I listen to a lot of podcasts because I'm painting houses. So I got a lot of free time to listen to podcasts. A lot of Christian sometimes leadership podcasts, and they will highlight and emphasize type A, type A. You got to be a type A, type A. Those are the, it's like, well, that's not the only qualifying factor in being a leader within the church or maybe being somebody that God uses. Well, I'm not type A, so God can't use me. That's garbage. That's not true. God will use whoever he wants with whatever personality 
he has placed within that individual. Paul, type A, absolutely go-getter, I mean, get out of his way, watch out. He doesn't care. He's going to say whatever he wants to say. He doesn't care about your feelings. He doesn't care if it's even politically correct. He's going to say what he's going to say. Timothy's not exactly like that. Timothy's a little more timid. And so imagine trying to follow in those footsteps, right? That'd be like me following in Pastor Bill's footsteps. I don't know if you've ever seen this guy. I know for sure in November he's going to come down and he's going to teach for us. And you will see, this guy is, they call him Wild Bill for a reason, okay? Um, he is all over the place. And I mean, he's just crazy. And I am the polar opposite of him, right? I'm standing here. He is, he's standing on chairs right now, okay? And he's not like super Pentecostal or anything like that. So don't get that kind of picture. But he's just like, he's just animated. He's just, he just goes for it, right? Paul is encouraging Timothy. He's like, listen, Timothy, you're saved. And at one point in time, I laid hands on you. Now, this isn't like the, this isn't how you get the spiritual gifts kind of a thing. Paul is just reminding him of what had taken place. Hands were laid on Timothy to commission him for the ministry. The leaders, the elders had placed their hands on him and prayed over him to set him up as the leader and the pastor of the church there. But there also was this moment where Paul is praying for Timothy And he's reminding him, he's like, listen, there's a gift that God has given you. He's placed it inside of you. Timothy, you need to stir that up because it's settled to the bottom. And when that happens, then that that would speak of not saying that Timothy is complacent, but we do have the danger of being complacent within our lives. When you're complacent, the gift can settle. And you know what that's like. You need to shake it up so you get the full effect of the thing. It's like working out. If you got muscles, God's giving you muscles, but if there's no working out or exercising of the things, they will, uh, they'll just kind of go away. Not totally. They're still there because you're able to move around. You got to have them. But imagine what it'd be like if you worked it out. And that's what Paul's saying. He's like, Timothy, you have this gift inside of you. You need to stir it up. But you need to exercise it. You need to work this thing out. He's given it to you. Now, I would strongly encourage you not to sit here and read this and think like, well, that was for Timothy, but that's not for me. No, you say yes to Jesus. You have a gift. He's placed a gift within you. What is that gift? I have no idea. I don't know. I know the gift that he, is, that he has given me. But my encouragement to all of you is this. Take some time to pray. Okay, Lord, man, I'm yours. My faith is genuine. I'm yours. And I'm I'm reading through your word. Paul is telling Timothy that there's this gift that's been placed in him and that Timothy needed to stir this thing up. Lord, what gift have you placed inside of me that maybe I need to stir up? Maybe you have a gift of hospitality. Maybe you have, I mean, there's... There are several places within the New Testament that list different gifts, okay? Take some time and read through those things and just ask the Lord, like, okay, well, which one? And sometimes it's different. Sometimes it can be different, right? It can be, I think you have like a primary thing, but then I think the situation can arise where the Lord's going to use you and place maybe a gift of whatever it may be for that instance or, or situation. But I think 
And I could be wrong, but I believe that, just like with Timothy here, Timothy had like a primary gift that God had placed within him. And it takes an Apostle Paul to come alongside and say, Timothy, you need to stir it up, buddy. What are you doing with that gift? What are you doing with it? What are we doing with the gift that God has placed within us? What are we doing with it? How are you using it? Or how are you allowing the Lord to use that gift through you? Don't think there's no opportunities. That would be what the enemy wants you to think, is that, well, there's just, just no opportunities. Listen, you can go to any church in this nation, and there are more than enough opportunities to serve the Lord. Okay? They're just star. I'm telling you that right now. Even though it may appear all things are covered, not everything is covered. And, and the reason why we have, there's multiple, you know, churches and all that stuff. I mean, there, there are multiple opportunities, I believe, by the Lord for you to be able to minister to the body. So what gift? What is it? What's inside of you that needs to be stirred up? Timothy needed that reminder. We all need that reminder. We also need this reminder. Concerning God and concerning this gift... God has not given us a spirit of fear. If there is a spirit of fear on you, it's not from God, okay? It is not from him. If there's a spirit of fear, this timidness, a lack of boldness, um, cowardice would be another good term there. If that's present within your life, it's not because God's placed it there, right? That would be something from the enemy trying to keep you from using your gift. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but, but this, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I'm not sure what the ESV says there. Self-control, that's right. So it's spirit of, of power, but not just power in and of itself, because total power, absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? I think we understand that. There has to be this balance of love that comes alongside of that thing. Unfortunately, you can get leaders in positions of leadership that have power, total power, and more times than not, it gets abused. You have to be able to, you know, supplement that with love. Where's the love? Where's the love? And Abraham Lincoln, one of my favorite people from history, it was said often of him, he was kind of like, he had this like iron fist that was covered with a velvet glove. Okay, he knew how to be firm, but also knew how to be gentle. That's a leader. That's a good leader, right? And that's kind of what Paul's saying here. He's like, listen, we don't have a spirit of fear. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Quite contrary to that, he's given us a spirit of power and of love and of self-control or of a, a sound mind. So if you have somebody in a position of power who is just all power, no love, and totally out of control... Well, that's not representative of God, okay? And I'm speaking more within the church world. Your mind might be going in other places. That's fine, whatever. I'm talking about within the church world because this is a problem within churches. This is a big deal within churches. For whatever reason, especially this year and past couple years, this has been a big thing. Timothy, as a pastor, should have the spirit of power, but of love, this agape other people-centered, focused kind of love, and of self-control. That these should be what are kind of earmarks, so to speak, of, of his life and his character. 
right now, it seems as though he's functioning under the spirit of, uh, of fear. And Paul's like, Timothy, buddy, you don't have anything to be afraid of. You got a gift, stir it up, and remember that the spirit of God dwells inside of you. And he doesn't give you this cowardness or this fear or anything like that. That's not a part of who he is. It's power, it's love, and it's self-control. Actually, we know love and sound mind or self-control. Those are fruits of the spirit. The same applies to you. The same applies to all of us. If the Holy Spirit resides in you, there's not a spirit of fear. You don't have to be afraid to be used by God. You don't have to be afraid to represent him. You don't have to be afraid of anything because of who dwells inside of you. In fact, you probably need to start tapping into and embracing the fact that in you is a power of, is a spirit of power and a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-control. Embrace that. That's truth. That is truth. Do not be afraid. The most common command in the Bible, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. I mean, hundreds of times that command is listed. And here's Paul reminding Timothy, hey, this is what, this is what resides inside of you. Verse 8. Therefore, because of that, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. He's, he's encouraging Timothy. He's like, listen, don't be ashamed of Jesus. Do not be ashamed of Jesus. You represent him. Did he die for you? Yes. Did he raise from the grave? Yes. Did he save you? Yes. Okay, go represent him. Do not be ashamed of him. Tell people about him. You should be proud of Jesus. We should be proud of Jesus, right? Not like, oh man, I hope they don't, hope they don't know or don't ask me. Any. No, let them ask the questions. If they know you're, you know, a Christ follower, let them ask away. Doesn't mean you have to answer the questions. Doesn't even mean you have to know all the answers, right? I don't know. That's a beautiful answer. Hey, but what about this? I don't know. Well, what about this? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know much. Um, all I know is this, man. Um, I was blind. Now I can see. It was Jesus, right? Um, never be ashamed of him. Do not be ashamed of his followers either. Especially Paul is saying, he's like, listen, I'm in prison because of him. Don't be like uh, some other people who have abandoned me. Because at this point in time, Paul is all alone. My, maybe the only person maybe in his company would be possibly Luke. But everybody, for the most part, said, you know, Paul, it's, this is just getting too weird. We're out of here. And they left him. They abandoned him. In this time of need, they, they took off on him. So don't be, afraid, don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of the Apostle Paul. Join in him with the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us to this holy calling. Not according to our works. That's good to know. Your salvation and your calling that God has placed on your life is not dependent upon your works. Okay? It's not. You can't be good enough. You can't be. Just be settled with that within your heart. You cannot be good enough. Should you be good and do good things? Yes, absolutely. But you going to heaven does not depend on your good works. It depends on his good work of dying on the cross and raising from the grave and your faith and trust in him. And that is it. How freeing is that? That's amazing. It's not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. He's like, listen, he had it all laid out. Yeah, he had it all laid out. Hope to the hopeless, hopeless.
We're so glad that you tuned in today to learn from God's Word on Bread for the Broken. Pastor James has shared much from 2 Timothy, and there are good things that you can take with you, even all these years after the book was written. If you'd like to explore more teachings from this study or other books of the Bible, you can do so at our website, breadforthebroken.com. We would also love to meet you, so if you're in the Galveston area, come join us this Sunday for worship. Calvary Galveston meets at 10 a.m. for a time of praising the Lord. Please come just as you are. We want to meet you. For directions to our church and more information, visit breadforthebroken.com. And if you're not able to come in person, that's okay. We're streaming our weekly services on Facebook Live. Just search for Calvary Galveston. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to ask for your partnership in this ministry. We're grateful to have you as a listener, and we'd love to have this ministry covered in your prayers. We ask that more people would listen and genuinely hear the truth about Jesus. Pray for lives to be changed. Also pray that all of those involved in Bread for the Broken would have open hearts to hearing where God would lead. And if you feel led, we're also grateful for financial support. Visit breadforthebroken.com and go to the About tab to learn more or to connect with us if you have any questions. Our time with you has come to an end today, but join us again next time here on Bread for the Broken.